Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're studying protology and eschatology in Genesis 6, the days of Noah. And when we combine the study of early history with end times, protology and eschatology, we reach the summit in Genesis chapter 6. Because as Jesus said in Matthew 24, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And that's why these early verses in Genesis 6 are so important, because they tell us about the days of Noah. Now, as last time I mentioned, there are two major interpretations of Genesis 6. The first interpretation is the line of Seth, the godly line, intermarrying with the wicked line of Cain. And this brought the great immorality upon the world that caused God to decide to bring the flood. The second interpretation And the one I'm advocating is that these are describing marriages between fallen angelic beings producing genetic human hybrids that ended up being giants. And I mentioned to you in Genesis 6-4 where it describes the Nephilim. These were the mighty men of old in the Septuagint. That word is giants. These were the giants of old. And I left you with a quote from 2 Peter. Now, again, this is our first pope writing, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, not the line of Seth, but the angels, but cast them into hell and committed them to the pits of nether gloom to be kept until judgment, but he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. It says in the Greek here in 2 Peter 2.4, when it says, he cast them into hell. That word isn't the normal word used in the New Testament for hell. It's a very specific Greek word, Tartarus. It's a word used in Greek mythology where they're heroes and gods who are the wicked, according to the Bible, are That's where their dwelling place is in the other world. And Tartarus, within early Christian understanding as well as Jewish understanding at the time of Christ, is the place where the 200 fallen angels or watchers are imprisoned until the end times. And so 2 Peter 2, 4 and 5, you basically have... uh, the, uh, the position that I'm advocating. Now, I mentioned other scriptures. We, we talked about Jude. We talked about 2 Peter 2. I mentioned Sirach 16. And right along with that, wisdom 14, verse 6. Again, this is in the Catholic Bible. For even in the beginning, when the arrogant giants were perishing, The hope of the world took refuge on a raft, that's the ark, guided by thy hand, left to the world the seed of a new generation, describing the events of Genesis 6 through 9. 
Baruch chapter 3, verse 26. The giants were born there, who were famous of old, great in stature, expert in war. God did not choose them nor give them the way to knowledge. So they perished because they had no wisdom. They perished through their folly. Now, this again is the reason given, these early verses in Genesis is the reason given why God brought the flood. And I've just given you Jude, Peter, Sirach, Wisdom, Barak. And it's interesting that even later on, and there's a few different theories on how they survived or reemerged after the flood through some type of genetic anomalies that was introduced through these illicit relationships. But when the children of Israel were going to go into the land of Canaan, uh, the 12 spies were sent out to spy out the land. And this is what Numbers 13, starting in verse 32, says. So they brought to the people of Israel an evil report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Great stature like a giant. Verse 33 of Numbers 13. And there we saw the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. This is the only other time in the Old Testament that that word Nephilim appears other than Genesis 6. And the reason God commanded the genocide of these peoples, as well as the genocide of the entire human race, except for eight people, is that the human race had been attacked through this genetic manipulation. Jesus became fully human. He was fully God, remained fully God, became fully human so he could become our brother redeemer. He had to be like us to redeem us. And if mankind was something less than fully human, they're not redeemable. And in these twin instances, the great flood and the genocide in Canaan, God had to put a stop to this or redemption could not take place. Now, a little further on, going kind of back to actually Jude 6, Jude 6 talks about the angels who did not keep their own position. And this is a very parallel verse to Genesis 6 to 2 Peter 2. But it's interesting, in Jude 6, some people debate what, you know, what Jude is talking about. Jude's talking about what I've been talking about in both these broadcasts, the fallen angels. But in case you're wondering, you just go down a few verses in Jude, past verse 6, to verse 14, and you have a very direct quote from an ancient document called First Enoch. First Enoch was written in the centuries, a uh, few centuries before Christ, and in Jude 14, 14 and 15, it has a direct quote from Enoch chapter 1 and verse 9. Now, obviously, if in the same chapter, Jude is fully aware of Enoch and his teaching, we know exactly what Jude was talking about in verse 6. 
And First Enoch was widely read and understood at the time of Christ and, and a couple of centuries leading up to the time of Christ. It would have been compared to something today like Pilgrim's Progress or C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia or The Imitation of Christ. You mention these titles, people know what you're talking about. When Jude quotes Enoch, the people in the days of Jesus knew what he was talking about. Enoch is an expansion of the teaching in Genesis 6 through 9. And you have a very elaborate description of the very condensed passage in Genesis 6 about the sons of God, a description of these angels who violated the, the differences, so to speak, between angels and human beings and created these genetic hybrids, these giants of old. And it's interesting that there's no question in this document, First Enoch, as far as what went on in Genesis 6. It was an angelic rebellion of fallen spiritual beings that cohabited with women to produce hybrid human giants. And this was commonly regarded. So in other words, when Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, what would people have their frame of reference? Well, they would have, you know, a half dozen verses in Genesis 6, but they'd have all of First Enoch. Enoch tells you where they landed, what their names were, how they corrupted the human race, what they were teaching women, and what they were teaching men. And don't worry, I'll give you some of that as we go on in other episodes. The Ethiopian Coptic Church had such high regard for First Enoch that to this day, it's in their canon of Scripture. In other words, they list it as a book of the Bible. Now, I'm not advocating that. I don't believe it is or should belong as a book of the Bible. But to understand what people who were reading Jude, people who are reading Second Peter, people who are reading Genesis 6, what they understood, Enoch gave them that type of information. Now, I want to warn you that there's, <laughs> I, I, I can't even begin to describe the phony baloney stuff on the internet regarding Enoch and first Enoch uh, on YouTubes. And, and I just went to uh, Amazon and the first dozen offerings for first Enoch, I do not recommend. I want to give you a scholarly translation, and it is the only English translation of First Enoch that takes all the textual information together. This Ethiopian version, which is quite ancient, the Greek text of First Enoch, and now, uh, lo and behold, through the findings of the Dead Sea Scrolls, Enoch was read at Qumran, and this was Qumran, these Dead Sea Scrolls, were all around the time of Jesus. So again, all of these texts now have been put together in a book called First Enoch, the Hermeneia Translation. And I'm going to spell Hermeneia, H-E-R-M-E-N-E-I-A. First Enoch, the Hermeneia Translation by two men called Nicholsburg and Vander Kamm. 
of Fortress Press. This is the most reliable translation of First Enoch, and it's really an eye-opener, and particularly the first part of this, oh, I would say uh, 90 chapters or so. Um, the first 16 chapters are really where the focus should be. And again, this is simply illuminating in an extra-biblical resource exactly what these half-dozen scripture references I just gave to you. And for instance, it makes sense. Where did the giants come from that so panicked the 12 scribes? Well, they said they were Nephilim. Where did the Nephilim come from? Well, the only other place in the Old Testament where Nephilim is mentioned is Genesis 6. And, and it was so serious that it brought the, the flood and God had to enact, enact capital punishment on the entire population of humanity except for eight people. This is really, really, really serious stuff. And the value of Enoch is that it shows that when these fallen beings, these sons of God, also termed the watchers, when they came to earth, they corrupted mankind. They taught them things that God would prefer remain hidden from our knowledge and from the things that they taught people, and I'll share some of these things with you as we go through First Enoch, but it brought the wickedness so that the world was in such a shape almost had to start over after the flood. So that's what we're facing in Genesis chapter 6. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 220 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy, visit us online at luke21.com.